0: Good morning, everyone. We're going to be reading from Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. And the Word of God says, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they when they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was clean and healed, turned back to praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not made, a ten made clean? But the other nine, where they are they? Was no one of them found the return and give the praise to God? It says, this foreigner, then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. That's the word of God. Thanks.
1: The film that the film that, um, The Remains of the Day, Anthony Hopkins plays a butler of a super-rich uh, family while researching the role. Um, Mr. Hopkins interviewed a real-life butler. This butler told Hopkins that his goal in life is to uh, be complete and total obsequiousness. It's a skilled ability to blend into a, the word work uh, of any room, uh, like a mere fixture, if you would, on a, a par with the table lamps and, uh, and irons. In fact, Anthony Hopkins said one sentence he would never forget. It's when this man said to him that you can sum up an excellent but- butler in this way. The room seems emptier when he's in it. The room never seemed emptier when someone who was thought to have leprosy entered the room. In Jesus' day, one of the functions of the village priest was to keep watch of the, any outbreak of leprosy. This was the most dreaded disease of any time. Typically, it would, be, um, it would begin by eating away at a person's toes and then move up to the fingertips and then eventually to the scalp. But it wouldn't stop there. Leprosy would continue in this destructive path until it attacked all of its vital organs. It was highly contagious and it could wipe out an entire village. So if a priest saw someone suddenly wearing gloves all the time, he would um, insist that he examine the person's scalp looking for leprosy. If he found leprosy, the priest would expel the leper from the village. One day, Jesus was about to enter a village He was approached by ten lepers. We don't know their names, their genders, their social status. Neither do we know any of their backgrounds. We don't know their families. All the distinctive ideas, all of their identities, anything about them has been completely removed from the leprosy. We do know. At least one of them, though, was a Samaritan. As one commentator points out, normally Samaritans and Jews have nothing to do with each other unless they have leprosy. Then nobody really cares much about religion or nationality because now, really, they're just outsiders. They live by the gates of the village. And what I've learned over the years is that no matter who we are, no matter our family name, no matter type the job that we have, no matter amount of money that we have in the bank account, or how little of money we have in a bank account, no matter what neighborhood we live in, or whether we moved into Littleton one year ago, we've been here our entire lives. Each of us. Every single person in this room, at one time or another, has felt like an outsider. Maybe it's this feeling that gnaws at us. Telling us that we really don't belong in this group, maybe it's a, a private hurt or failure that we cover up with our own gloves, hoping that no one would see. Or maybe it is the sin to which we are addicted to. Or maybe it's a fear about our future, our health, our relationships. Whatever it is, it feels like this thing is taking up more and more and more of our life every single day. And we look around, it sure seems like everyone else is doing okay. But my private leprosy within our souls has left us feeling lonely. So lonely that it looks like when we enter the room, the room feels emptier because of our presence which makes me believe this isn't some ancient story about leprosy in the Bible. This is a story about our longing to find a place within our community. It's a story about renewal. It's a story about the resurrection. Notice in the passage. The author, Luke, goes out of his way his way to, to say that Jesus saw the ten lepers. Craig Barnes imagines Luke makes a point of Jesus seeing because everyone else has learned to divert their eyes at such unpleasantness, hoping that they would just blend into the word work in some way, like a, a mere fixture in the landscape behind them. Not necessarily because we can't stand to look at the lepers, because we don't want to remember that it could happen to us, or worse, remind us that disease is already eating our souls from within. So we pay attention of everything else, but them, but not Jesus. Not the presence of God among us. Jesus Christ, the one who comes into us as a physician, refuses to see us as anything other than who we are. And that is a child of God. Seeing Jesus, the lepers, cry the prayer that each of us really cries. The prayer that brings us all together. The prayer that has us in here in this room and this morning. Lord, have mercy on us. This is what we yearn for in life. It's what brings us to church together. We are not looking to be made perfect. We all know this morning that none of us are perfect. We just want to be seen by God. We really want to be seen by God in our community. For God and our community to have mercy on us. Then notice what happens next in this story. Jesus sends the lepers to show themselves to the priest. And the scripture says that on their way, note that, on their way, they are made well. It happens like that most of the time. We cry out to God, God, have mercy on us. Rarely does it begin. Everything happens just like that and we're made well, most likely over time. Along the journey, as we're coming back into the community, there's where we're made well. And there lies the mystery of our faith. When we fall into the depths of hell, when we have no other place to turn but to God, we yell out, Lord, have mercy on me. And our living God, the one who has been there all along, tells us to get up and go. Go back to work. Jesus tells us, go back to your family, go back to your hobbies, go back to your church, go back to your community, go back to living. It's there that you'll begin to heal. Friends, on this side of heaven, the word for that is Resurrection. And just like Jesus' resurrection 2,000 years ago, there's no easy way to explain it. When the movie Dead Man Walking came out several years ago, the actor and the director of the movie, Tim Robin, was asked about the film's real-life heroine, Sister Helen Prejean. And Tim Robin responds, to this, uh, saying, um, I believe that there are, um, 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 well, there are, you know, there, well, there are people here on Earth are um, who live higher, enlightened lives, who I guess achieve. Um, I guess they achieved some type of spirituality and a force of some type of goodness um, because these people will, these people have wealthy earth and these people, well, they've created God. One theologian reacted to Mr. Robbins and said, Is Mr. Robbins dumb or just lazy? Having never taken the courage to dive deep into relationship with a relationship of God, apparently. He speaks about God in the depth of those who took one art history class and talk as if they are art experts. Perhaps. Perhaps this is how the lepers reacted when they reached the temple that day. Could you imagine explaining to the priests how they came cure of an uncurable at the time disease? I wonder if they stumbled through it like Mr. Robbins stumbled to talk about Sister Helen Pray Jane. Truth is though, none of us can explain the resurrection. All we can do is what that one leper did. Have enough courage to turn back, look at Jesus in the face, Bow down and say thank you. Jesus' response, notice, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The better translation of that is your faith has saved you. When we hear this, we like to think, well, the labor, leper saved himself, saved himself with gratitude. Perhaps we do that because the resurrection is just that hard to explain that we cannot explain it. Therefore, we just keep trying to make it all about us. How we bow down correctly, how we said the right prayer, how we followed all of the right rules. Therefore, because we pray correctly, because we bow down and because we thank God, we have been saved. But when we use language like that, whether we know it or not, what we do is we make ourselves the saviors. But the resurrection is not about us. The resurrection is about God. It's, it's about the, the faithfulness of God. who would never, ever, ever abandon God's creation. That's why Jesus responds to the leper at his feet like Jesus does. Jesus is not saying that the leper saved himself. Jesus already saved that leper along with all the other nine a long time ago. No, instead, Jesus is recognizing that gratitude is the heart of our faith. Gratitude is a basic human response to the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the unconditional and undeserved love of God. Gratitude is our emotional response to the resurrection and the resurrection in our lives today and tomorrow. It's not something that we earn, but with joy. It's a new world that we can only receive. It's a new world where we will all be with our God, a God that has been known to to breathe life into the, the valley of dry bones, a God that opens up graves and tombs, a God who gives away enormously, a God who makes sharing the norm and abundance, the expectation, a God who is the God of the living, not only the living who find themselves right in the middle of the community, but the living who find themselves outside of the community, a God who makes all things just and right at the very end. We can't explain resurrection. Because resurrection explains us. The resurrection explains how, with all the pain and suffering and loneliness and exclusion that we encounter within our own lives and throughout our country, and all the pain and the suffering in this world, Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, South Sudan, can we all just say, Lord, Have mercy. The resurrection explains in the face of all of that. Our followers of Jesus Christ are bold enough. To show gratitude. Through worship and giving and helping and hoping and praying praying, and believing, and loving, and sharing, and forgiving, and being, and living. I'm not sure if you noticed, we have a lot going on in our worship service this morning. Not only in our regular worship service here today, which is always an act of gratitude, but... A few minutes ago, we gave Bibles to our youth and to our children, and that reached various grade levels. The church isn't committed to making sure that our children and our youth have Bibles that they grow and read at different levels as they grow. We do not do that out of obligation to our children. That in itself is an act of gratitude. We are grateful that we have these children and our youth in our community. We're grateful that we have a safe place for them to come and to know Jesus. We are grateful that they can read openly and ask questions and doubt and grow in their faith alongside with other youth and children and adults that also ask questions and doubt and grow in their faith as we are being all being transformed by God into a new world, into a new image. And in just a few moments, we are going to baptize Gia Hardy. And we do not do this because it's a tradition to baptize We do this as a response to God saving us. Our baptizing is not us saving ourselves. It's a response of God saying, get up and go on your way. You belong to this community. Whether we're two months or two years or 22 or 62, the act is the very same. God claims us. God calls us a child. God names us to be loved. And we live the rest of our lives in gratitude, signed and sealed. And nothing, nothing, nothing Nothing can take that away from us. And Then after baptism, we not only have the opportunity to pause in worship and at least show our gratitude through our offering, but we will turn in our pledge cards for 2024. And yes, we are collecting money. It is essential and supports and helps the ministry of Lenton Presbyterian Church strive. And yes, our commitments we will make to the coming year, we can say to our mission partners and to the town of Willington who count on us to help people in need, that we will stand by you and we will be there for you. And yes, our prayers and our offer to God and our dreams and our affirmations and our aspirations for who we should be and how God has shed and directed us, all of that is very important. It's vitally important, but most of all, The act of pledging, the act of our offering is our practice of gratitude. Gratitude that Jesus is alive. And that truth goes everywhere. And that truth changes everything that we do. And the truth welcomes us and welcomes others into this very community. And the community out there, the truth reshapes exactly who we are. A couple weeks ago, we started this sermon series that we titled Rejoice. Receive, Receive, Rejoice. And in that, we said to watch your We said as you enter into this church building that we all need to watch our step. That Jesus was up in this church building that we need to watch ourselves because Jesus is in here transforming lives. You see the signs we placed outside. Those are warning signs, signs that you walk into to to watch your step, that Jesus is up to something in your life and my life, and I am sorry. But I should have warned you. I should have warned you that Jesus not only calls us in the church together to change us, but Jesus calls us in the church bringing us together so that God can then turn us back out there and send us back out there chain. Not to live... In total submissiveness, where we blend in with the word work. Or lepers can't be healed. Not to live in a world where forgiveness cannot be received or outsiders cannot be welcomed. That is not the resurrected world that God sent us back into. Instead, God sends us out into this world where the resurrected Jesus who brings us the future that is more wonderful and redemptive than we can imagine on our own. God who takes whatever gifts of gratitude that we can offer and he turns them into Easter. God who makes things new. All things new. In your life, in my life, in this world. Can we imagine a God like that? Can we imagine a world like that? Get ready. Get ready. because As soon as we begin to walk out those steps, get ready. We're walking towards a commitment in prayer with gratitude as we follow Jesus out there. Get ready. God has called us into here. To send us back out there. Get ready. Get ready. And for goodness sake, watch your step. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.